Welcome to Agent of Wealth Podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps small business owners and retirees overcome the multiple wealth planning challenges involved in your financial life. We do this by creating comprehensive wealth management plans to guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and help create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth planning issues involved in your financial life. Hello and welcome to the Agent of Wealth with Mark Boudis of Boudis Financial. Today we're going to be answering one question in this podcast. Well, I'm sure we'll answer lots of questions, but the main question we're going to answer is, what issues should I consider before I retire? Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning, Eric. I'm great. How are you? Doing fantastic. That's a big question. It definitely is. And, you know, when you when you make that decision or, or start thinking about that decision to retire, it's it's a difficult decision. It's emotional. Uh, so the more planning you do, uh, I think it, it'll really help out and um, make that decision or make that transition as you know, as have as little stress as possible doing it. Yeah. And, and how we're going to answer it, we're going to look at it, look at it as 30, a 37 point checklist of things to think about or issues to look at prior to retirement. Wow, that's a big checklist. <laughs> Yeah. And it, it is a big checklist, but like I said, it's a big decision. So, and there, there is a reason why it, it's a checklist and why I'm a proponent of, of checklists. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of the, my favorite books that I read recently was called, is called the checklist manifesto by Atul Gawande. Hmm. And yeah, Atul's a, he's a surgeon or I guess now an author in, um, and what he did is he did a study of, in a hospital in Boston. And they looked at how they were able to use checklists in their in their operating rooms. And by doing that, they were able to reduce the number of deaths and complications related to, to surgery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not talking about life and death here with uh, using checklists for retirement planning. But, you know, by using one, you can definitely improve the, uh, you know, the quality of life that you have in your retirement. Oh, yeah. No, as, as a coach, Mark, I am uh, as a coaching consultant for small businesses, I absolutely believe and love checklists because there's another psychological component that a lot of people don't think about when you are able to mark something off your lift you 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 put that check in the box or you draw that line through that item that you accomplished there's a there's scientific proof that endorphins are released into your system and and you get this good feeling of hey i have taken care of that and you want to talk about reducing stress that's a huge thing for reducing stress when you're able to say okay I've, i've gotten this done now what's next Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They're, they're definitely great. And they're applicable in a lot of areas of you know personal finance. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. we, we did a four part series, episodes three to six, which was just covering a year end financial planning checklist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that covered one aspect of it. This, you know, today we're going to look at a checklist that, you know, you should uh, go through prior to, to retiring. Okay. When you say prior to retiring, what are you what are you looking at here? Give us a kind of a time frame of years, right? Are we talking... You should start this checklist when you're 55, when you're 60, when you're 40. So I'll always say when it comes to anything related to financial planning, the earlier you start, the better. Although it's, it may not be practical for some of the items that we're going to cover in the checklist. You may not be practical to start thinking about them at age 30 or age 40. Mm-hmm. This is really, you know, you're coming close to flipping the switch to, you know, making that decision to retire. And, you know, it's, it's as close to that time as, as possible. It. So if it's your 60s, mid 60s, or if even if you're 70 and, and are going to 
you know, think about retiring. So it's, it's kind of a late stage right before you're about to retire. Got it. All right. Where do we start? Okay. So it's the checklist is broken down into different areas. And the first one is, is cash flow. So you want to, first thing you want to do is look at, will your cash flow needs change in retirement? And if they will, uh, you should really look at developing a new income and expense plan. All right. Uh, so what are the differences in cash flow needs in retirement compared to how we're living today? So I think the biggest change would be in healthcare expenses. And and obviously, you know, when you when you retire, some expenses are gonna go up and some expenses are gonna go down. Mm-hmm. You may, you know, be traveling more, you may, you know, uh, not have the same work-related expenses of gas, travel, you know, commuting, but healthcare really really usually comes or turns out to be the biggest change in in expense. And you know, Fidelity did a study a while ago where they calculated that the average couple will spend about $200,000 in out-of-pocket medical expenses mm. during their, their retirement. So I think that's where we're going to see, you know, we'll see the biggest change. Yeah, that's that's a very, very large change that you've got to plan for. Yeah, and there's different aspects to to that. And one of the sections is is health is in this checklist is healthcare. So we'll, we'll actually go into more detail on healthcare in a, in a minute. All right. But the next one you want to look at is, will you receive a pension? So I know pensions, for the most part, have gone the way of the dinosaur, but there are still companies and and governments and municipalities that do offer pensions. So you really want to look at what your payout options are and how do you coordinate that pension between Social Security and the other assets that you, you've accumulated. Mm-hmm. So the other thing, too, with, with not just pensions, but also, you know, retirement accounts or the 401ks, you want to look at if you've, if you have an account, if you have a pension or a 401k from another employer that you may have lost track of. How do people lose track of pensions or 401ks? I mean, if I knew I had a pension or a 401k, I'd I'd make sure that I knew exactly where that was at. (laughs) Yeah, you would, you would think so. But I, I come across this a lot where um, you know, it'll be years and someone will discover, oh, I didn't realize I had a, you know, either a pension or a 401k at a previous employer. And, you know, uh, some of the scenarios that could happen are, you know, you, this could be 20, 30 years ago that you had this pension or 401k. You could have moved a couple times. So you haven't been receiving statements or maybe, you know, you, you turned them on to electronic statements and they started just going to spam and it just dropped by the wayside mm-hmm. and you didn't, you didn't realize it. And at some point, lucky enough, you, you do realize it or hopefully you, you, you know, you think about it and realize it. And then there is a way to track it down and, you know, figure out what your options are with it. Got it. Uh, the other, you know, next thing you want to consider about cash flow is if you're retiring early and the word early could mean, could mean a couple things, but for social security purposes, you want to look at if you're retiring before your full retirement age, which dependent upon when you're born is either 66 or 67. And why that's um, important is that if you do uh, retire before that age, and if you, let's say, you know, I think re- retirement nowadays is a little bit different in that it's less of flipping the switch than it's more of a transition. So some people do work part-time in retirement. However, if you work, if you work and are collecting social security benefits prior to your full retirement age, the, the government's going to withhold some of those benefits because they, they say, okay, you're still working. You don't need all of these social security mm-hmm. benefits. Mm-hmm. The other thing to consider with uh, retiring early, collecting social security is that you actually get, it's basically a penalty that you get if you start collecting your benefits before your full retirement age. So your actual monthly social security benefit is reduced 
if you do not wait until your full retirement age. So you can start collecting as early as 62, but for every year prior to 66 or 67, you, there's a reduction in benefits. Gotcha. So that, that could make a big, huge difference in the rest of the retirement time. C- correct. Yeah. It, it, it actually doesn't, it, it, you're stuck with that. If you, if you start collecting early and are, have that reduced benefit, there's no, you know, okay, there's no step up, you know, once you hit your full retirement age, you're, gotcha. you're stuck with that reduced benefit. That's a, that's a permanent decision you've made. Exactly. Yeah, it. it's, a, it's a permanent decision. Uh, one thing that's not well known is that, that you may have the, if you do retire early, you may have the ability to access your 401k penalty free if you leave your employer at age uh, 55. At 55? Yeah. Okay. Because I thought it was 59 and a half. And, and if you withdrew before that, then there was penalties or that you would have some sort of fees. Yeah. So generally that's true. Um, if you withdraw your funds prior to age 59 and a half, you would incur a 10% penalty and you'd have to pay tax on the, the distribution. So you're never going to get around not having to pay tax on the money you take out of the 401k, but um, you may have that opportunity to not have to pay that that penalty. Hmm. And the way that works is there'll be two criteria that you need to meet to be eligible for that. And the first one is that you're no longer employed by the employer who you have your 401k affiliated with. And then the second one is that you left that employer during the calendar year in which you reached age 55. So it's a little bit of a uh, you know way to access your 401k prior to 59 and a half. And there's there's cons of doing that. You know your the benefit of your 401k is that it's tax deferred and you want it to last the rest of your life. So you also ha- you have to look at if I did start drawing from an age 55, how would that impact how long that 401k lasts? Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing you want to look at on on cash flow is if you're currently married. And for this, we're going to go back to the Social Security topic. But there are different claiming strategies that are that are out there that really cover or, or uh, give you options on how you can maximize benefits between collect someone you know uh, someone collecting their own benefits and then their spouse collecting spousal benefits or their own benefits. And I know we did a podcast about Social Security. I mean, I think it was one entire podcast about Social Security a while ago, and, and people can go back and listen to that. Has anything changed between the time we had that podcast and now? Uh, I, I don't know if it's if things have changed recently within the past couple of years um, with Social Security claiming strategies. There were a couple of strategies that were considered loopholes. Some people are grandfathered into those those mm-hmm. strategies, and then for younger folks, some of those strategies are no longer available. So, um, yeah, like you said, the the, the podcast is, is a great way to to get some more detail on what strategies are out there, and you know what people should be thinking about when they do decide to start collecting. Gotcha, and and they can go to your website, right, and and find those podcasts. Yeah, the podcasts are at the at com or, or aid, there's a website, agentofwealth.com, that has all the podcasts as well. Yeah, so if you have not heard that podcast, or maybe this is your first podcast that you're listening to, go check out the website, see all the podcasts we've already done. Mark covers a tremendous amount of information, and the, the podcast about Social Security, he really dove deep into those different strategies and rules. The next area we're going to cover are health insurance issues. Um, and, you know, it, it's sort of similar on this, are you planning to retire early, but you may have to make up a gap between when you're eligible for Medicare. So you're not eligible for Medicare until age 65. Um, so you have to look at, will I still be, co- if, I, if I retire and leave my employer, will I still be covered mm-hmm. by, their, by their health insurance plan? Or do I have to figure out another option? Yeah. I mean, if somebody's retiring at 60, you've got a five-year gap there. What do you do? 
So I think the most common thing that that someone does is they're going to look on the the health uh, health uh, insurance exchanges and look for basically a personal or family policy. Mm-hmm. That's really the the best thing to do now because you just don't you don't have that option of start going on to Medicare until you hit age 65. So is there a time frame should they be doing this 2 years before they retire or is it something where as they're retiring, you know, just a couple months is plenty of time to plan? I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that if they're going to go to a private company that they're going to have to go through some, maybe they'll have to have a physical or some blood work done or, or whatever. How long does that take? Yeah. So my recommendation is to, to really, you know, look, start this process a year out and I've helped people go through this. And a lot of times the sticker shock on what a private um, health insurance policy costs is, is uh, surprising to a yeah, lot of, yeah. of people. You know, there's, it, especially when you're talking, if you still have dependents at home and there's still a family, you know, if you're insuring four, four people, five people, it, uh, it can be a significant increase from what you're used to paying at your employer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Uh, so you also, you know, want to look at, will you need, you know, in addition to just looking at the health insurance, you also want to look at what additional insurance do you need? Vision, dental coverage. And like I said, you start adding all those things up and, you know, it, it becomes a significant amount of money that, like you said, if, you, if you're retiring at 60, that you have to cover up until age 65. Got it. So if you are retiring after 65 and you've got Medicare coverage, can you still use your HSA? You can. So HSAs are one of my favorite financial tools and applicable to, to health insurance, but you really get a triple tax benefit for contributing to one. And they're great at any age to start mm-hmm. to start contributing to, to an HSA. But the answer is yes. So you can still use your HSA and it can, it can pay for your Medicare expenses. It can pay for basically any qualified medical uh, expense, including Medicare coverage. So you don't have to you know, go into or think about retirement as, okay, if I do that, I'm going to lose the ability to, to use my HSA. You'll, you'll still be able to use your HSA in retirement. Got it. Okay. Uh, the next thing that I think related to Medicare that's, that's surprising is if you look at your, your income and if it's over a certain amount, um, which comes out to 85,000, if you're single or 170,000, if you're married and filing jointly, you may be subject to a Medicare uh, surcharge, which is basically just the government saying you earn a lot of money, you're going to pay extra for your, for your Medicare. So now what that means is, or how to plan, plan for that is you just want to look and see, is there any way to, re, to reduce my income so that I, I don't, you know, come over that, that, um, that criteria of, of being hit with that surcharge. Mm-hmm. So it's just a planning opportunity to, to look at. Yeah. And then the, the final thing on the health insurance side that you want to look at, you want to look at your, has any of your needs for life insurance changed? So life insurance used for a variety of reasons, but one of the, the main ones is to protect your income. Mm-hmm. So you're, while you're working, you know, if someone's dependent on the income that you bring in, you want to have a life insurance policy. Now that you're retired, there still are reasons why having life insurance makes sense, but you want to look at and still make sure that your, your scenario falls under one of those situations where it still makes sense to have your, your life insurance policy. Yeah. And I know we've talked about strategies with life insurance before, but is there really a need for a lot of life insurance in retirement more than maybe just covering the basic, not to be morbid, but uh, you know, my burial, right? If, I, if I'm going to die, we know that funerals are going to cost a lot. So maybe I'm going to get a policy that's 50 grand just to make sure that I can get buried and my wife can throw a big party. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the answer is yes and no. So there are definitely some reasons to have life insurance in retirement. Using life insurance as a retirement asset is a is a strategy. So if someone has built up a permanent policy with cash value over you know a long period of time, they 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 have that ability to use the the cash that it built up because they not necessarily have that dependency on the. Um, the death benefit. So mm-hmm. now they can start using the cash buildup. It's also a good um, a good vehicle for paying estate taxes. So if someone is going to get hit with the federal or state estate tax, it's a it's a liquid um, access of funds to be able to pay for that. So there is some there are some benefits for having a life insurance policy in retirement. Uh, you just have to you know look at it and just make sure it makes sense for you. Yeah, I would think it's going to be individualized, and and that's a great conversation to have with a professional. I, I don't think anybody should be making that decision just purely on their own because there are so many options, so many ways to do it that will greatly impact the the rest of your family in a positive way uh, by by utilizing insurance in in the ways that it was meant to be used. Right. Yeah. No. Def- definitely. It's definitely worth having that conversation. All right, Mark. Another question for you. Uh, just. Out of curiosity, I just don't know the answer. If you have a life insurance policy and maybe it's a, you know, it's a certain number of years that it's it's active for and you're retiring and there's five years left on your insurance contract or you're what the life of the insurance is supposed to be, how do you get out of that if you don't want that insurance anymore or you don't need it anymore? So the the easiest way is you just stop paying the premium. Um the way the life insurance contract is is set up is you're, you know, you have their your contract once you initiate the policy, but you're covered by the insurance company as long as you pay the premium. But if you stop paying the premium, uh, you're no longer covered by the by the policy. And depending upon what type of policy you have, it could mean different things. If it's a term policy, a term life insurance policy, it's very straight cut where you know you stop paying the it premium. It stops. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It just ends, right? Yeah. I mean, the the insurance just ends if it's term. But if you have, what if you have it, cash built up in yeah. the policy? So that that's where it gets a little more complicated and you just want to look at what your options are. You could stop paying the premium and just take all the cash out. Uh, you could use the cash in there to pay the premium so that it just extends the, the years that you have the policy. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have different options and depending upon what you need or what you're looking to do with it, you could either extend it or make that clean break from the policy. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, when you're younger and you have children, your policy may be higher because you need to replace your income and take care of the kids and make sure your spouse is taken care of. And, and you consider all these things when signing up for insurance to begin with. But as I'm in retirement and my kids have moved out of the house, I don't necessarily want my wife to have a huge policy on me <laughs> because there's just too much incentive for her to have a really nice party or a yacht. Right. So That's true. I just want to make sure it's covered for what she needs and and that hopefully if we've done a good job of retirement planning, then she's not going to need a huge payout, you know, when I kick it. So that, that's, that's, those are my thoughts, Mark. I don't know if anybody else thinks that way, but uh, uh, I love my wife and I trust her, but you just never know, right? <laughs> that's, that's true. And, and kind of to what you're, what you're saying is you actually, you know, you don't have to have that clean break where you just get rid of the policy. You could actually have a decreasing um, death oh, benefit. Okay. That so if your needs do change and, you know, you have your mortgage paid off and kids are out of school, out of the house and the need for having that, you know, blanket there, if something does happen is less, you could actually reduce the amount of the death benefit and still keep some, some of the policy in, in place. Yeah. And, and I think that's another really important thing that you need to consider is that if you have a policy that has 
cash value in it. You may not need that life insurance anymore, but you certainly may need that cash that's that's in the policy for some long-term care stuff or for medical costs, like we were talking about earlier. $200,000, I mean, that study that you you quoted, $200,000 in retirement, that that's huge. A lot of people are like, hey, if I've got $200,000 to retire on, I'm pretty okay. Well, we pretty much yeah. know that that's not quite right. Uh, and now that we know that, you know, medical costs could be 200000 just in retirement, that I mean, that's a huge hit to a lot of people's thoughts as far as what they're going to retire on. Yeah. A lot of the thinking is, okay, I'll turn 65. I'll go on Medicare and I'll never have to pay a medical expense again. And unfortunately that's, that's not the case. There are still yeah. co-pays, co-insurance, deductibles, different plans and supplemental plans and Medigap policies and long-term care, you know, potential need for long-term care. So there is a, you know, even though you are retiring and you're going on Medicare, there are still a lot of uh, potential costs that you'll, you know, potential healthcare costs that you'll have in retirement. Yeah. And I know we went, kind of went down a rabbit hole here, Mark, and I, I appreciate you indulging my questions. Uh, I know we've got more to cover in this topic alone. Can we do a second podcast to, to continue this conversation? Yeah, definitely. I think the the areas we have left, we have asset and debt uh, issues to look at, tax planning issues, and then uh, long-term planning issues. So you Got start it. looking at, uh, you know, what's best for your estate. So yeah, I, I agree. I think it definitely makes sense to, to do a, a follow-up podcast on this. All right. Fantastic. Any closing thoughts for what we've talked about today? No, I think, you know, we, we, we covered the first half of, of what people should be thinking about when it comes to retirement. And, and the next one, we'll, we'll look at the second part of it. All right. And those that are listening, I don't want you to wait to the second podcast to get your questions answered. If something in this podcast sparked a question in you and you have concerns or thoughts or or something that we said didn't sit right with you and you're like, I need to clarify that, you just need to reach out to Mark and his team. Uh, Amazing group of people to work with. Mark, where can they reach you? Uh, best way is if you go to my website, bowdusfinancial.com. Uh, it'll, it'll have all my contact info. There'll also be a link to schedule a free consultation. Fantastic. Can you spell Boutus for us? Sure. It's B-A-U-T-I-S. Boutusfinancial.com. All right. Thank you so much, Mark, for your time today. And I look forward to the next podcast. Thanks, Mark. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boutus. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Mark comes out with a new podcast, the next one especially, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Boutus Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment and financial planning.